Night Jams, Miami's number one for hip-hop and R&B. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. It's your girl, Super Cindy, and welcome to Community Matters. I'm so happy you're here this morning with me, spending your Sunday morning with me, starting it off right. Community Matters gives all the resources, numbers, and information that you or a loved one or a friend or family member can, you know, really use. So if you can't use it, make sure you pass on the information to a friend or loved one. And you can always find past episodes on 99jamsmiami.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and the community corner is right there with all our previous episodes. So this morning is like no other. We are here representing the African American Research Library and Cultural Center in Fort Lauderdale, right? Okay. In Fort Lauderdale, we have the library regional manager, Ms. Tamika Bradley-Hobbs. Good morning, Tamika. How are you? I am wonderful, Super Cindy. So good to be here with you. Yes, we got a lot to talk about because you guys have the South Florida Book Festival, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. Tell us exactly what is the African American Research Library and Cultural Center? Well, we are 20 years old. We celebrated our anniversary last year. Uh, We are part of the Broward County Public Library System. Uh, We are one of two flagship institutions out of the 37 branches. And what makes us a flagship is that we are an archive. We are intentionally Mm -hmm. created to keep, preserve, and interpret the history of African and African and descended people here in South Florida. And so we have over a million items, um, both personal records, uh, art and artifacts. Uh, We also have in our building a 300-seat auditorium. We have a museum gallery, meeting spaces, and as well as being a circulating library. So it is a wonderful, wonderful place. At the time that it was conceived, it was only the third such institution in the nation after the Schomburg in New York City and Auburn Avenue Research Library in in Atlanta. So Mm -hmm. this is a real jewel here in South Florida, and I'm super proud to be at the helm. That's super awesome. Where is um, the library located? We are on the corner of Sistrunk Boulevard and 27th in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, historic Sistrunk Boulevard, of course. So many people know really the heart of of black Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Um, and so it's a huge building on the corner right there. You can't miss it. It has these beautiful African Andinkra symbols mm-hmm. on the outside. Oh, cool. um, so many wonderful programs that have happened there. I can remember when the building was built. I was a graduate student hoping to do this very work up in mm-hmm. Florida State. I can remember my very first times coming there. I've been to so many programs over the years. So many people have really wonderful memories of being in the building, and we're keeping that tradition alive. That's super cool. Like, I know um, with you saying there's artifacts and all kinds of things that are collected and keep our history alive and relevant and safe— and protected. Where do you guys get the stuff? Like whether it be an old journal or a, I don't know what the artifacts are, but like the the artifacts that you're getting, where where do they come from? A lot of it comes through intentional collecting. Um, some of it comes through donations. Uh, mm. For example, after the passing of former Congressman Alcee Hastings, mm. we were gifted his collections and his records. So we have wow. those and are preserving his legacy in our building. Uh, we have the collection of Esther Roll. Not many people recognize oh, that she was a Broward County Florida native. Evans. That's right. So um, she was born and raised up in Pompano, and uh, we have her records uh, at our location, her awards. I actually had a chance to see her Emmy uh, not too long ago. It's the first time I've ever seen an Emmy up close. It's in the library? It's in our collections, yes. So um, I tell people all the time, history is is not everything that happens. History is only what's preserved, and you have to be very intentional about making sure those items are there. One of the most recent and spectacular collections we've 
received came from a woman, Jackie Love Thornton, who mm-hmm. got tired of seeing impoverished images of black people through history. And she, over the course of 15 years, worked with collectors to pull together 1,300 images of a century of black life, roughly between the 1850s and the 1950s. And she gifted us those to us. Ooh, um, those so, pictures, the clothes in those pictures. You should see. I, there was a wedding. It's a, uh, actually uh, an image from a very famous African-American photographer, James Vanderzee, who was mm-hmm. out of Harlem. There's an image that he took of a wedding party. Um, had Ooh. to be in the 1920s and 30s. But it was absolutely magnificent. I think I counted 13 children Oh and the wedding God. party. So, Alone. so that, that was just the children part. Just the children. So you know, you know how expensive weddings are, mm-hmm. right? So if you have 13 children, you know that this was a massive, uh, just exclusive, exquisite affair. And we don't get to see that type that of black side. excellence from the past mm-hmm. very often. So I'm so grateful for Jackie Love Thornell and the intentionality um, behind her collecting and the fact that she would entrust Arlick with that very precious gift. And we've been doing the work. We've actually did all of those images and people can come to our website and review them and and, and explore them on their own. And so that's just one example of of how material comes into our collections. But we're always looking for those really special uh, South Florida stories. That's so amazing. And like if someone wanted to go to the library, is it like a museum you have to pay to get in? Or like how does the library work? Like if they just want to go in there and study the difference between if they just want to go in there and study or they actually want to go look at the archives of stuff. Is there like a difference? Is there a fee? Like, how does that work? There is no fee for access. That's a beautiful part what? of our public libraries in this country. We do such an amazing job of making sure that information is widely available to the public. And so anyone can come and take a look at our resources. They're available. Many, you know, many of them are available online. But if there are things that aren't available online, they can schedule an appointment and come into our building. Um, of course, the li- we have a circulating library with titles focused on black and African descended history. And so those are available to our folks as well. People sleep on the fact, too, that we have a children's division um, and mm. there are wonderful books that are available to to black kids. I'm a mother of two sons. And yes. so uh, I think it's always so important that kids have positive images of themselves mm-hmm. in their literature. And so that's a real focus of the collection at Arlet too. So there's something there for everyone. We have such amazing buildings and museums and like in Overtown, old hotels and just the history in Fort Lauderdale being kept in the African-American Research um, Library and Cultural Center. And we drive by it every day and don't think of stopping sometimes. Like right now you're telling me, I'm like, I have to make my way to that library right now. Because you guys are part of the Broward library system, is there like things to promote that the library is even there in the cultural center? Is it just word of mouth that we're spreading it? Like how is the word getting out? Sure. I've been in my role for about seven months and that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that's on my radar. I think it's one of the things that if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, And there have been people who have, you know, donated to make sure that this building exists. They have a very special relationship with it. But I am noticing that there's kind of a gap in terms of people's relationship and awareness of Arlick. And so I'm really spending a lot of time thinking about our marketing, being intentional mm-hmm. about that. Um, our Most of our marketing and messaging comes through the Broward County Public Library System. And so if you follow those outlets, you'll be able to find out more about what we're doing. But we're, we're working on it. We want to yeah, be more forward. Um, we have some really exciting things coming up. Um, in the next
next few weeks, we're going to be putting up our exhibition on Afrofuturism, which is a, a really mm. wonderful concept. It's called Afro Fantastic, the Black Imaginary and Art Literature and Technology. And um, it was really started and inspired by the work of an artist, Christopher Clark. I met him during Art Basel and uh, started following him on Instagram. But he's been experimenting with the creation of art using artificial intelligence. Ooh. And he's and a parent. that's huge right now. Yeah, he's a parent mm-hmm. of small kids. And so the subject matter that he was uplifting were young children. And they were just these really fantastic images. They they just stopped my imagination. I was just totally absorbed. And I was like, I've got to get this in the building somehow. And so Chris's artwork is really the cornerstone of what we're putting together. Um, he has created these digital animations that we're going to display on LED screens in our building. I've also contracted with uh, Dr. Julian Chambliss, who is an expert on Afrofuturism. And it's a really wonderful uh, idea. You know, part of the idea of Afrofuturism is, yes, about imagining black futures, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's science fiction, whether it's um, in genres like speculative fiction and horror and comics. But there's also this idea that Dr. Chambliss talks about, which is for black people in this country, we've always had to imagine a future for ourselves where we could be free. And so that gave us the opportunity to really tie in some of these wonderful works from the past mm-hmm. and have them have a conversation with some of the contemporary technology and artwork that's in the gallery. So I'm really excited about this show and uh, what people will take away from it to be able to uh, imagine the works of someone like W.E.B. Du Bois and Zora Neale Hurston and and the ways that they have attempted to uplift and imagine black futures. uh, It's really an interesting conversation that people will be able to experience in our gallery once we get it up. I think what's so beautiful also about everything that you're saying is the way that the governor and his his administration is trying to shut down African-American studies in schools so the children, high school students, whatever level they're at, even the colleges are being affected, taking away our history and saying it's not relevant or or whatever he called it. But my whole thing is is like it's places like the African-American Research Library that is keeping all all of that alive, that you cannot shut it down. There's no way around it. We exist. We are here and nana type of thing. You know what I'm saying? I just love it. I feel like parents, you know, we can't depend on the school system to teach our children. We got to take the initiative to take our children instead of taking them, and I'm sorry, like to a a theme park or a, a video game place, take them to the African-American Research Library. I'm sure they could go like a whole month this summer, every Saturday, if that's the only day you have, and could see something different in you and look up stuff that opens up their minds and broadens their minds. Even go, like I said, to historic Overtown, all those historic buildings, show them the art in Wynwood. Like, we got to, like, it's a drive away, and we really got to open our brains, even as parents, if you have never been to these places. There's stuff for you to learn, too. You're never too old or young to learn, and that's the bottom line. I couldn't agree with you more. I am so proud of um, the leadership at the library. Uh, Allison Grubbs is our director, mm-hmm. and she has been very forward in protecting the freedom to read and mm-hmm. academic freedom. And, you know, Cindy, as, as as a people, you know, we have a real history with this. Like no other people in this country, we understand that your intellectual freedom is very much foundational to your civic engagement and your ability to participate in this democracy. Yeah. You know, look, when 
we were enslaved. Part of the reason that system was able to be maintained as long as it was is because it was against the law to teach black people to read and write. Read and write. Why is that? Because they don't want you to be able to read and interpret the founding documents of this nation that and part. really understand the shape of our, our government. And so anytime I hear anyone trying to ban books or ban curriculum, hmm. um, particularly the stuff, the tough stuff of our history, which, you know, that's not a burden that we have to bear alone. These things are factual. They are documentable. They actually happened. They were perpetrated against our ancestors. Not that we're blaming anyone for that, mm-hmm. but let's let's just tell the truth about how yeah. we got to this moment. Uh, and you're you're exactly right. I am so proud to be a part of an institution that is free, open access, taxpayer funding. <laughs> so mm-hmm. your money is paying for this yeah. um, for everyone to come in and be able to learn. We have just an amazing series of, of youth programs going on this summer as a part of our summer learning program. They have been intentionally crafted to support the themes of art and technology and science, um, given what we're doing with the Afrofuturism exhibition. So there's just so much to discover wow. uh, for for our families at a place like Arlick. And they did, and, and Tamika just said a minute ago, it is free. <laughs> so the way you got to pay to go into the theme parks and all that stuff, like this is a free theme park for your mind. <laughs> Right, like, you can you can go anywhere with your mind, looking at the different archives and the books and just everything. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great resource, and you know the, you're trying to keep those kids busy, but you want them to be educated as well. Mm-hmm. Libraries are. I've, I've, I, I I was a library nerd growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was uh, really wonderful to be able to share that with my own children, and even today, being able to watch the kids coming in for our programs, it's it's been tremendous. That's super cool. Um, you're like, because I remember um, from, I interviewed someone from the city of North Miami from their library. And I don't know why I had the misconception that, you know, librarians, they're just the ones that be like, shh, don't talk, shh, right? And when I was interviewing the female librarian and the and a student who was in college to become a librarian, I had no idea the amount of schooling and it's like you're you're like honestly becoming a doctor in a sense because you have to know so much information. Now, I was asking you before we started our interview, were you a librarian? But you said you're a public historian. Can, that that the title alone just sounds so cool and interesting. What exactly is a public historian? Uh, sure. A public historian is just a little different than a, your traditional research historian mm-hmm. in that there is an intentionality and in making sure that the scholarship that's being produced uh, in the academy through books and publications and articles that that actually makes it way its way to the street for lack mm. of a better word that is accessible to to people um Arlick is a public humanities institution. Um, and, and that's important because for so many people, the way that they have access to the humanities is through colleges and universities. And yeah. we all know that there's a fee attached to that. Our ability to be able to bring this information to the public for little or no charge is a big part of, of what we do. So my PhD is in um, U.S. history with a focus on African-American history specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written 
written and published on lynching and racial violence here in the state of Florida. Mm. Um, But my minor and my interest uh, professionally for years has been in museum and archives. And so that is what makes me particularly qualified to be at the head of ARLIC. Uh, It is work that I've been passionate about since my time at FAMU. I'm FAMU Rattler. Oh, wow. I'm going to call DJ Nasty 305, (laughs) the illustrious. I just make fun of everyone. The illustrious. The illustrious. Florida (laughs) Agricultural and Mechanical (laughs) University. Um, Yeah, I went there and it was my intention to study business, but Mm -hmm. I had my very first black history classes and was just enthralled, Mm. uh, was energized. It got you. Answered so many questions. But I also, even as a 19-year-old, was a little angry about, you know, Mm. someone making a decision somewhere in some office in some state building that I didn't need to know this information so much earlier. when you were a child that it could help you throughout while you're growing up and going through life experiences, knowing your history would have possibly helped you. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you said it already. I mean, we can't abdicate. We can't turn over the responsibility of teaching our children their cultural history to other people. And so I made the decision. I changed my major, and I almost immediately started working at the Black Archives on campus, which was a museum and archives that had been founded there in 1971. Um, And so, again, from the time that I was an undergrad, I was being groomed to do this work because I really really enjoy it. It's purposeful, and it's so necessary for us to understand the full history of this country, to embrace the beauty of our journey and and as a source of pride and inspiration. Yes, and to keep all our history alive and known. Like, don't let it, because it's history, don't let it die as history. It's affects us currently every day in well, all our movements. And I think what we see today is that if you don't know your history, unfortunately, you're bound to repeat it. There's so much mm-hmm. of that's happening in our contemporary political landscape that is historic. Um, yeah. These are not new tactics. These are not new dynamics. But because we don't know enough and study enough, we are very it's susceptible. To, us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about this amazing event that's happening at the African American Research Library and Cultural Center. Um, at you called it Arlick. Yes. kind of cool. Um, you guys are having the South Florida Book Festival, and it's your 11th year of having this book festival. Is that right? Correct. Wow. Congratulations on that. You guys have an 11-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about that. Why the South Florida Book Festival? Why was it put together? What is its purpose? Um, so I think it, it was an outgrowth. You know, this is my first one, even though there have been 10 mm-hmm. more before I so came. So that must be exciting for you, too. Your Absolutely. First I'm, I'm having a ball. Um, <laughs> Um, it's a tremendous legacy. You know, uh, like you said, it's a it's an 11 year old now and you have yeah. this responsibility <laughs> to keep it growing. But it's a, an outgrowth of that public humanities uh, practice that I told you about, mm-hmm. making sure that we are inviting people in to have engagements with nationally known, locally known authors, mm-hmm. um, because we know that there are readers in our community. Um, yeah. And whether we're talking young people or adults, uh, these book festivals have a little something for everyone. And so it's been a tremendous understanding. Uh, uh, undertaking, as you can imagine. And this year, we're very excited about the theme that we're putting forward. Yeah, I I read the theme and I'm excited. It's all about the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Hip hop has affected our culture, other cultures worldwide. Like when you see someone maybe in Japan or a different country, you can just tell that they've been influenced by the hip hop culture. I just got back from Colombia. I went down to Medellin to celebrate my birthday. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. (laughs) But imagine being in 
the club and the music comes on, it's hip hop and everybody is getting down. They don't probably understand the words, but, but again, just a testament to the reach, the influence, um, whether we're talking about culture, whether we're talking about business, whether we're talking about fashion or art, uh, hip hop is universal and it's high time that we really put some respect to quote uh, hmm. Birdman uh, on this genre. Uh, and for me as a, as a historian, I see hip hop very much in line with all of our other great musical traditions that have Definitely. come out of black culture, whether we're talking about gospel, blues, rhythm and blues, jazz. Hip hop is just the next thing to come along. And it is born out of people on the margins uh, with very little resources, right? They didn't yeah. have instruments, so they yeah. used the albums Mm -hmm. uh, that were available to them. And it was about that expression, telling their story. And that's why we are using word <laughs> as mm -hmm. the theme this year, because even though we associated with music, at the root of hip hop is spoken word and the mm. written word and all of the stories that have come out of hip hop culture. And so that's what we're going to be uplifting uh, July 13th, 14th and 15th. So how, how does that like look visually like right now all the listeners are listening um that the library is celebrating 50th anniversary of hip-hop so you kind of just said it now like but with words and the way in hip-hop they put the words together and tell a story and talk about life well at least the uh, older hip-hop did the new hip-hop is a little bit slightly different but um <laughs> a little bit twerking and stuff but um like a listener called the other day the morning show and said less twerking more working i got you <laughs> more work less twerk but um how are you guys translating that sure uh, so we really are focusing on several different elements of hip-hop culture um and we also are having an experience that is multi-generational so i'm very excited about the very first day of the festival uh, which is thursday july 15th it's going to be a children's day um, oh, cool. we are inviting uh kwame alexander he's mm -hmm. a new york times best-selling author his uh the book the crossover which won all kinds of awards has been um, now produced as a show on Disney, but he'll be with us to talk to an auditorium full of kids about his own hip hop story and his his path to becoming a writer. And then after that, we are going to take kids through an experience where they'll get to do some DJing and production. They'll get to experience a little bit of graffiti art. Our one of our partners is the Museum of Graffiti down in Miami, and so their instructors are going to be on hand to help the kids uh, to go through and learn the basics of graffiti. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have the Rennie Harris University, who's going to be leading some master classes in hip hop dance uh, for the young people. And so uh, between the DJing, the dancing and the graffiti, the kids are going to walk away that day with some really hands on experiences cool. of hip hop culture. And so we're super excited about that. So that's that. Thursday and then Friday. So Friday, yes, we have um, a big reception. Um, mm -hmm. We're able to make all of this free, but we are are raising money to keep it that way. And so we have something called our Eat, Drink, Read reception. Yes. Um, and that's going to feature DJ Demp, who's legendary hey, here in the state of Florida. Hey, yes. And we have special guests, the Jam Pony Express DJs, wow. which, we'll talk about you know, history. they're some of the first hip hop that I ever heard. And yes. so we're excited to have them down. But that's Friday, uh, July the 14th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. 
Cool. And then Saturday, all, all day is just going to be sessions. We'll have authors in. Um, uh, we have Rob Kenner, who is uh, the first editor of Vibe magazine, mm. um, was handpicked by Quincy Jones. But he's written uh, an amazing biography of Nipsey Hussle, who wow. we lost too soon. Yes. But he really tells the story of his life and his impact and his legacy. And so Rob Kenner will be here. We have Kevin Powell. who Shouts is to Kevin. Yeah, he's actually going to be speaking on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is kind of a, his, a hip-hop historian. Wrote for Vibe magazine as well. Last person to interview Tupac is currently working on a biography of Tupac. But Kevin is going to come and share his own uh, his own hip hop story. We have uh, Dr. Regina Bradley, who I'm very excited about Mm -hmm. because at 50 years, hip hop is in the academy. And so she's a scholar on hip hop, um, has written the book Chronicling Stankonia, the rise of the hip hop South. And so she'll be on stage to break down kind of the context of the regional flavor of hip hop. So on Saturday, we also so we'll have a session with Rico Love of the Recording Academy's Black Music Collective. He's going to be conducting a session with our very own Ted Lucas, uh, founder of Slip and Slide Records. Uh, we titled that South Florida Got Something to Say. And we're going to be looking at the legacy, the particular legacy mm-hmm. of uh, hip hop in South Florida. So we're really excited about that. We'll have the Universal Hip Hop Museum on site. Uh, they're yes. up in New York. They're ground zero for the celebration, but mm-hmm. they'll be here with us to celebrate and to uplift. So our event will be the southernmost uh, celebration of hip hop that's happening in this 50th anniversary year. Very necessary. And I love it as we uh, uplift this anniversary. And so those are just some of the highlights of uh, the so sessions. Amazing. Book Festival, the South Florida Book Festival. What are the dates that it's happening? It's going to be July the 13th, 14th and 15th. OK, cool. Each day has a different schedule. Okay. On Thursday, we'll start at 1030. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start at 11 on Saturday. Um, and we also have a dance performance on on Thursday night. Well, you talked about Ooh. twerking earlier. Yeah, <laughs> um, so we're so excited to have the Olujimi Dance Theater. Cool. They're going to put on a show. The full name of it is Transnational Dance Works and Other Practices That Evoke Revolutionary mm. Kinship or Twerk for short. Oh, how cool. <laughs> so they said a word for each thing. And so they're, they're going to really translate what I like to call this kinetic hip movement from mm-hmm. Africa through the Caribbean into modern hip hop. That show is almost sold out, though. Wow. So people need to act quickly. So I want everyone to go visit soflobookfest.broward.org. That's where you can find the lineup of everything happening at the South Florida Book Festival July 13th through the 15th. And it's all going down at the African American Research Library and Cultural Center, which is on the corner of Sistrunk and 27th in Fort Lauderdale. We've been speaking to the library regional manager, Ms. Tamika Bradley-Hobbs. And Tamika, thank you so much. It's been so fun talking about the library and everything you have to say and inform us with. Thank you so much for the opportunity and thank you for everything that you do to uplift our community. Uh, thank you, Mama. Everyone, have a great Sunday. Your girl, Super Cindy, Community Matters, 99 Jams.